Hello and welcome to the How to Not Marry a Jerk podcast. This is a countercultural conversation about how to do relationships the biblical way. I hope in all that we say, you hear the loving voice of a father who's got a great future for you. My name is Nate Swanson. I'm the lead pastor at New City Church in Great Falls, Montana. I am joined by my beautiful wife, Rachel. Hey, it's me. Our church's youth pastor, Aaron Seibrand. Hello. And his amazing wife, Megan. Hey. Come on, let's dive into today's discussion. Finally, on to the next topic. We're talking today about being a good financial steward. Money, 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 Dave money. Dave Ramsey's so excited right now. <laughs> he's he like, is. Probably just he's just beaming somewhere, somewhere. He's really excited. So, uh, will we do all of this in a southern accent in honor of Dave Ramsey? Absolutely, we will. Uh, I'm not a complete supporter. <laughs> and do Dave some Ramsey, yelling. So. All right, so I should say, uh, do not let this be the first episode you've listened to. This should not be the first episode you we you have listened to at all. So well, what uh, should they do if they just go started. back to the beginning? Go back to the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll catch up with you in a bit. But um, if you've been listening, you know what we're talking about is uh, why you, for the sake of your future marriage, for the health of your future marriage, why should you? actually become a good financial steward. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this idea that actually that is a good process. That's a good part of the process for preparing for marriage. And it's also somebody you should be watching for as Mm -hmm. you're aligning your lives together and considering a future relationship. But before we dive into that, I'm I'm, I'm throwing all that that out there because we thought we were going to talk about it in our previous episode. We thought we were going to double up talking about good work ethic and this here we are with this because we ran out of time we had a good conversation but i'm out here's my fun discussion starter question with money in mind oh i got one here it is tell us about your marriage at your most broke point oh when were you the most broke together what did that look like your marriage so broke we gotta. What are those jokes? The your mama, your mama? jokes. I don't think we're gonna. Okay. <laughs> your mama jokes. Okay. No, no, no. But your marriage so broke. You Ra- Rachel enjoys lamenting on this. Our early years, <gasps> our budget. We were trying to build a budget, trying to be faithful. Oh yeah. We had like zero dollars. Tell us about zero your ramen dollars. years. Yeah, we really did eat ramen and a little bit of chicken, um, nearly every dinner. That was that was dinner. Yeah. I don't know if we ever had fruits or veggies. Probably if I went over to my mom's house, I'd have. Did you both work full-time jobs? Or is this when you no. had uh, babies? No, Nate worked and I just have always volunteered. I worked full-time. She was volunteering at the church. And I don't know why. Was it me? Is there a reason you didn't have a job? Was it just like, I want you to stay available? No. Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible says to confess your own sins one to another. <laughs> oh, confession time. I don't know if it was a sin for me to I say you shouldn't know. work. I know. I just but didn't it, want to be rude. It probably led to other sins because it hindered our budget. And then we were like, Golly. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And we ate so much. Like someone in the church, God bless their soul. Thank you for this. But they gave us a bunch of venison, like oh. deer meat and elk meat. And I, I had made like macaroni and cheese and chocolate chip cookies and blueberry muffins and that's it. And those, (laughs) the blueberry muffins and the mac and cheese were from a box. So I had not made anything growing up and quesadillas and peanut butter and jelly. That's it. That's all I had made. That's all I had known to make. (laughs) And he wasn't having that for dinner. None of those were meals. He would. I need need some meat, honey. (laughs) Yeah. I need some protein. That definitely sounds like something they would say. Absolutely. So I like, I had no cooking skills whatsoever. And I try to make these venison meals. I can't believe I, I can't believe I didn't just like lose all my weight because I ate. Oh, that was just terrible. I do not like venison at all. No offense. We we should mention our actual budget. We had, what was our monthly budget? Originally, we started out with 50 bucks a month 
and I groceries. Right. I you always say no, and I always say that's. that's I think what it was fifty. It was in nineteen fifty-two. It was fifty. <laughs> it was fifty bucks a month, which you can if you both share a pack yeah. of ramen. That's twenty-five bucks or twenty-five cents. There's no way I was sharing a pack of ramen back then, though. No, no way. No. I mean, I wouldn't do that now, and I had twice the right twice the appetite that I have now. Um, and then we, uh, yeah, you got thrifty. For and sure. then a few months into it, we were like, okay, this okay, is crazy. crazy. We're going to do 65. 75. <laughs> we did. I'm positive. It was 75 a pay period, 150. I'm positive. Sure? Okay. You would have known better than me because you, you know. We also, we started out and I think this was so smart. I think every couple, I know this is like being old, but I think every couple should start out this way. (laughs) Especially if you haven't, like this was my first like really grown up thing to do. Get married and that kind of thing. Like live as an adult. I had had a year of college, but. Um, we started out with our budget in envelopes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, we put $5 a month in haircuts and until I had whatever it cost, 45 bucks to get a haircut until I had 45 bucks in there, I couldn't get a haircut. Things were simpler in the year 2000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just think it was really smart because it showed us, okay, well. right in our face. We knew exactly how much to spend and not spend. Yeah. Rachel thought it was a crime though when I would steal from one oh, yeah. to fill another one. Uh, I said, you can't do that. Yeah. I said it's just money, honey. Nobody will we're making the rules. It's true. And I don't think you should think that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's smarter to go ahead and think fairly legalistically about it in the beginning. For sure. Yeah. Because Ra- I think it helps you. Budget. Maybe more rigid. Yeah. Yes. She's I more th- rigid than me when I it comes it to helps, yeah. budgets. But they were cool envelopes. I drew oh, they sure fun were. little drawings on all of them to like signify what they what they want like what this was, is me getting what a haircut. Was the haircut one <laughs> well it was probably was similar it a, to a the lawnmower? i remember it man i oh, would love do. it if we could find those envelopes we might have them we it have was, a filing cabinet I'm it was sure. a male not a woman but it was, oh, a, it was a male getting his haircut from oh. behind and the barber had done one of these swipes over his head with the buzzers mm-hmm. oh, and he had funny. hair coming out the sides and just a path of shaved <laughs> hair in the middle like the hawk mo not a mm-hmm. mohawk if you don't know this about nate he's quite a funny artist and very good artist yeah he's a very good artist but he's a a a comical artist do you remember the date night envelope i don't want to know what was on it after (laughs) our last episode (laughs) i do Uh, never mind okay so maybe i do talk about your i'm trying to think of a season that we were like really broke i mean there was can you think of any not that we've always been rich, but I don't feel like a time where it was like grocery budgets were super tight. Oh, These are so like rich. What? <laughs> I do love that. I, I feel like our parents set us up really well. Uh, not I don't think either one of them trained us how to budget well or anything like that. I'll speak for my family. You they spake did, for him. I, I spake for him. Spake him. <laughs> I, I, I want to spike for our family. Oh, see, there's Dave Ramsey. There we go. He's <laughs> coming out. <laughs> Um, he's in the house, but budget. So budgeting wasn't a strong suit, but I think my family had modeled like how to, how to, um, buy a property and improve it. So I think that helped us financially big time. But I think the biggest thing is we came into marriage without debt. Neither one of us had significant debt whatsoever. We both owned our cars. Yeah. So it was lean. It was lean in those early years, but we didn't have these major like. Yeah, we didn't have a big leak in our bucket that we could never mm-hmm. fill. Yeah, I can't think of like being broke, broke to like res- being res- eating resealed. ramen. Yeah, eating like, ramen. I ate ramen a lot before marriage, For not sure. out of like just I just it. really enjoyed ramen. It was like my meal of choice often. But I do think we, I mean, we were never like we we weren't like in our 30s with careers and all this kind sure, of stuff so yeah. we are we were married young and we didn't have a ton of money and it was tight and i remember some of my friends were like getting their nails done a lot and i was like i get a haircut twice a year and yeah. it's 50 bucks and i'm even like oh yeah. gosh um so we were frugal for yeah. sure and we were um 
definitely strapped at times, but it wasn't like, oh, I have to sacrifice and go eat ramen. Um, probably hard when we had our first child um, because, well, in the year that we had our first child, Aaron started working for the church. And so it was like we were down to one income and mm-hmm. love the church. It's not a lucrative career. Yeah. You don't go there to make money. Yeah. And so... Mm. Um, I think that was probably the most diligent we had to be with our finances in that season because it was like, we don't have margin yeah. and we had just come from Aaron had just worked a job that was like, had a lot more margin. So we had to like really tighten yeah. things up. But I, I honestly like, I was frustrated at times because I remember like we couldn't even buy paint and I wanted to paint a wall. Mm. I don't yeah. know if you remember this. You guys gave me a mm-hmm. gift card for my birthday so I could paint a wall. <gasps> I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, I, we didn't even like, we were just like so strapped that it was like anything excess. It was yeah. like, you, we just couldn't do it. Do like it. we had a yeah. great house. We had yeah. vehicles that worked. I guess that would be the season. Like, cause yeah, I had just bought a truck, like a nice GMC Sierra leather seats, automatic hey. starter. And I had to sell that. Like when we decided Aww. to take this job and bought another, I bought my, the Subaru in cash, <gasps> which now somebody in the church did own. I don't know if they still own it. Nice. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, I, I don't think I look back on that and I'm like, it no. wasn't out of poor. We weren't doing, making poor financial decisions. It sure. was just out of circumstances. And mm-hmm. it was just like, we didn't have excess to go do things, but I still see like in that season, the hand of God provided yeah. so much for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I look back oftentimes in that season and I'm like, it really taught us like how to take care of our finances. Yeah. Like when you don't have excess, yeah. Like, I don't think that should be a deterrent for someone getting married. I hear couples often being like, oh, we're not going to get married until we're more financially stable. Yes. Like, I think you can, if you're, if you have a good work ethic and you're like working towards it, that's great. Um, Keep going. But I don't think that should stop you because I think it's even fun to be married and broke together. Yeah, you just do things differently. I would say that actually probably is our lean years because I just remembered a story of we were young, we were youth pastors, just, or I was a youth pastor, just started out. And I remember, and I know Megan will remember this, a youth came over and drank a whole gallon of milk. Oh, yes. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what did you just expect me to go out and buy another gallon of milk? I could say who it is. I yeah I do remember oh, that being oh, like oh wait I have an idea now oh uh, now what oh, can we say Jesse. no <laughs> yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> Jesus Christ but it was like yeah I remember that season of like trying to host youth and being like you're gonna eat popcorn like all I can afford to feed you is popcorn at my yeah. house yeah and you can have water yeah it comes from the tap for free and oftentimes I didn't even provide snacks because I was like I can't even afford like you can come over but I can't afford to like yeah. give you a feast like we're not ordering pizza sorry yeah, yeah. I you talked about buying paint I remember it was our common yeah. practice. We would go to Ace Hardware and find, or Home Depot, and find the oops paint, like the mismatched paint that somebody returned and said, I hate that color. And we would buy a couple of gallons of that if we could afford it <laughs> mix and them. mix them to where, okay, <laughs> we work. will we will not absolutely hate that color. So oh, let's well. put that on our wall. <laughs> yeah. Or I remember buying one time, we bought a quart because it was like super cheap and we're like, at least we have enough to paint this staircase. We can paint this staircase that color. Yeah. I I, I mean, every bit of furniture we owned was garage sale or hand-me-down. Oh, yeah. Given to us, church family given to us. Yeah. You see that you get scrappy, you get creative. Yeah, Yeah, we only bought our first, we actually bought a bed two years ago. Uh, Yeah, a year ago. And that was like, I mean, that's probably the first piece of furniture that we like legitimately researched and spent money on everything else in our house still to this day. It's yeah. like hand-me-down, thrifted, like yeah. Facebook marketplace. But yeah. I remember being like, I mean, we were eight years into our marriage and I was like, we bought a bed. Yeah. <laughs> Made it. <laughs> All right. So um, let's, let, let's get into this because I think we've already had some of the fun conversation that will become more relevant with the subject matter later. Um, but we're talking about this idea that the way that you manage money, not, not how much money you have, not how much, you know, it, we're, we're not trying to glorify this idea that we had nothing and, you know, we, we, we had to get by with nothing. So you, th- that's not the point. It's not a matter of you need to have so much in your bank account or you can't have that much in your bank account to honor God. But what do you do with what you have? I think it, it says so much, and, and there's a lot of Bible to back this up. It says so much about your heart for God, 
when you can look at the way you handle your finances and see whether or not it is reflected biblically. Yeah. Um, Jesus said it plainly. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. Yeah. You will either hate one and love the other or love one and despise the other. Right. And, and there's no other practical life thing where God compares it to, to himself as a competing God. He basically says, you're either going to serve me with the assets and the, and the resources you have, or you're going to end up serving yourself. It, it looks like you're serving yourself and you're in charge, but ultimately you're giving into a different spirit, a spirit yeah. of greed, a spirit of mammon, old K, old, mm-hmm. old King James. You're, you're giving into a different spirit. There's a different spirit at work. And so there's a lot of ways that this is described biblically. I want to be able to cover more ground and get into some practical discussion today in case this is uh, an issue in, in the life of a listener. We want to be able to give you some practical input. But let me let me specify for you. These are these are five principles that we have taught through in the life of our church about what it looks like to actually manage money well from a biblical perspective. Here's here's five key principles, and I'm going to give them in this order. The first one is stewardship. It's understanding that I am responsible. God wants me to understand that I'm responsible, not for my money, but check it out, for the money he has entrusted to me. So it's his money. Yeah. Luke 16, 11 asks this great question. Read through the whole passage uh, when you have time. Luke 16, 11, If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Mm. When you're a good steward of worldly wealth, if you're a good steward of actual money, finances, God says, when you do that well, I actually want to give you something better than money, true heavenly Mm. riches, spiritual riches. So I I think there's a a baseline understanding that I've got to understand everything belongs to him and I'm managing a piece of it. So that changes my perspective when I realize it's not just mine. I, I remember being so excited when I had worked a job long enough. I can't remember the amount. I think it was like I had $2,000 saved in the bank. And I felt like I was like, I was King Midas. You know, it's like, I just, <laughs> I felt like so I'm huge. On top of the world. And hey. then, and then recognizing, oh wait, like this isn't mine. This is God's. And I, and I got to take care of this the way that he says. Mm-hmm. I can't spend it the way that I want. Yeah. I can't do with it what I want. This really is a gift from him. And it's a litmus test for how he can trust me. If I right. see this as his, then he's actually going to give me more to be responsible right. with. In fact, it says that exact idea in that passage. It says, if you're, if you're faithful in handling what's little, then you'll be given much to be faithful with. So we're, we're going to talk through these five principles. The first one is stewardship. Remember this, listener. I am responsible. You are responsible for God's money. The second one is obedience. And it's recognizing this. I am on assignment. I am on assignment. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, the first fruits of all your crops. Mm-hmm. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And here's this idea. When you honor the Lord with your wealth, you give him not what's left over. You give him the first piece. You recognize it all belongs to him. It's all his. We're going to come back to that idea many times. It's all his. But of, of what he entrusts to me. I want to have I want to have this pattern in my life. I want to be known as a person who honors him with with his wealth by giving him my first, my best. Yeah. So we're going to talk specifically about tithing. Tithing is a tenth. Check it out. Not just a tenth. It is the first tenth. Right. It's mm-hmm. the first tenth. So uh, Rachel and I have had this practice since before we were both married. I'm so thrilled we had this established yeah. in our lives. But there's an understanding for us that we are on assignment. We're living on assignment. We are handling God's money. So we're going to be obedient with his money. And what he says, and man, we can... If you have any questions on this, oh man, email us. We'll get into the yeah. we'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty on tithing if you need to, because there's a lot of weird views on tithing that are just biblically inaccurate. But the first tenth is the one that we give right away. So we have actually have this automated out of our bank account. It automatically goes to the storehouse, our church, where we are spiritually fed. And that first tenth comes out early in the pay period. Everything else is what we're left with to deal with. It doesn't come out last when we have extra. It comes right. out first. Mm-hmm. So first idea is stewardship. I'm responsible. The second idea is obedience. I'm on assignment. Third idea is generosity. 
I am a vessel. And this is the outworking of like when I actually have something of, of, of God's, he wants me to resemble him. All right. So he wants me to show generosity. I'm a vessel of his blessing. It's all his. He's going to pour some through me. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a, a, a pitcher. I'm not a bull, but I'm a pitcher. I should say I'm, I'm passing it on to somebody else. 30 Psalm 37, 25 says I was young and now I'm old yet. I've never seen the righteous forsaken yeah. or their children begging mm-hmm. bread. That sounds awesome, right? Like the righteous won't be forsaken. Their children won't bake bread, <laughs> beg bread. I, I almost said bake bread. <laughs> they would, they might bake bread. It says their their children won't go without, right? But listen to this next part. It says they are always generous and lend freely, and their children will be a blessing. So not only are they, oh, it's time to be real, evidently. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Very inconspicuous. Yeah, you snuck that in I, so well. It wasn't time. I just thought oh. I could sneak. In. Oh really? Oh oh okay. <laughs> I never get notified. Be Being real too anymore. difficult. I'm, I'm, I think I'm giving up on be real. It's just like I never catch it when it's time. Because you're not. Yeah, real. I don't usually catch I it either. So. I think I've silenced my notifications. That's probably what the problem. It's me. That's good. Then you can show your absolute best. Yep. Okay. On be real. All right. So uh, okay. So check it out. Check it out. It says I've never seen the righteous forsaken of the children begging bread. Yay! Hallelujah! That sounds awesome. I don't want to be forsaken. I don't want my children to go without. But it says this about them. This is why they are always generous and lend freely. And their children will be a blessing. They've even trained their children to be a blessing and to be generous and other-minded. So God wants to flow through us. He wants his wealth, his benefit, his blessing, his heart to flow through us. Here's this other idea, contentment. Contentment. Recognizing I am blessed. I am blessed. Ephesians 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Contentment is recognizing not, I hope I could get blessed so that I'm happy with what I have. It's, it's recognizing, no, I'm already blessed because mm-hmm. I, I, I deserve hell. But by the grace of Christ, I'm inheriting heaven and every heavenly blessing, every spiritual blessing. So being content is not the result of getting what I want. It's wanting what I get. It's, it's like recognizing what I've received I'm blessed with whatever I've got. I'm blessed with whatever has landed in my lap. I'm blessed with. And all of this comes down to this understanding of faith. I am his. I am his. I belong to him. Psalm 24, one, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. I I am blessed because of him. Remember in Matthew five, Jesus talks about like, like, like don't, don't, don't worry and fret. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers Mm -hmm. of the field. If, if God's going to take care of them, why wouldn't he take care of you? When I have faith that says he's my protector, he's my provider. He is my sustenance. He is my focus. All of these other things come more easily. So I'm going to burn through these again really quick. Stewardship, I'm responsible. He, it's his, but he's given me a piece to manage. He's given me a a piece to grow, to actually nurture, to cultivate, to multiply so that it can be better used for his purposes. Obedience, I'm on assignment. It's his, and so I'm going to honor him first. I'm going to give back to him first. In fact, I'm not even giving until I'm tithing. The tithe is, is a representation of what is due him. All of it is due him. All of it is his, but he only asks for a tenth yeah. of it back. So when I live on assignment, I'm recognizing I'm obedient to him and I'm giving him first, giving to him first. Generosity, I am a vessel. It's not for me, but it's to pour through me. But I, I think one of the questions that people ask themselves regarding this next one, contentment, this understanding that I'm blessed, is like, when can I... When is it bad for me to buy myself, uh, you know, a, a new shirt? When is it bad for me to go out to eat? When is it bad for me to like get a new car or upgrade my apartment? Or when is it bad? I think it's bad when I've ignored these other principles. Yep. Mm. When I'm not yeah. a good steward, I have no plan. I have no budget. I have no, I have no ledger to know if I'm saying yes or no to myself. I think it's bad when I'm not tithing. If I'm not putting God first mm-hmm. and giving him first, the first tithe, the first fruits, I think it's bad. I think it's bad when I'm not living generous. I'm here to live generous. If, if, if me upgrading my life means that I have to say no to being a blessing to others, then I'm not being content. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I have to eliminate my pattern of blessing others, and then if I have to eliminate this understanding that sometimes God's going to bless me and 
and I can't predict it. I, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm convinced there are times when, when I have to say nothing of others, when I have not seen God's blessing because I got discontent, I got impatience and I, and I went, I decided to bless myself. Yeah. And, and here's what I did. I actually wasted resources that could have been spent elsewhere. And God actually would have blessed me had I actually been patient, yeah. had I been content. That's good. So faith says I am his. Contentment says I am blessed. Generosity says I'm a vessel. Obedience says I'm on assignment. Stewardship says I'm responsible. Why are these, why are these commitments or values that a person ought to be known for before marriage? Well, finances are one of the most significant things in a marriage. I mean, literally, we can't survive without money. Right. (laughs) And I think in like the counseling world, finances are one of the top five of fights that couples typically have. And so if you're bringing in all sorts of baggage or years of you know, splurging and indulging when you didn't have the funds and you've got tons of credit card debt or if you're greedy or or whatever the case is with any of those five principles, if you have that, then you're going to come into a marriage and you're going to have even more frustrations because now you're trying to meet somebody else's financial thoughts or expectations and they might have a different direction they want to go and you've been you know, squandering your resources over years. And so I think there's just so much to be said about um, all five of those. They build off of each other. Like I just, I think. Yeah, they're so interrelated all. Yeah, you can't just have like, okay, if you're a really good steward of your money, you're probably naturally going to be generous because you know exactly where your money's going. Yeah. But like you can't have generosity without stewardship Mm -hmm. and you can't have generosity without obedience. And so it's like you kind of have to have all five of those to Mm -hmm. really see the fullness of the blessing that God has for you. Because if you're only tapping into one and you're like, I am great with my budget, but you're not generous and you're splurging on huge things and you're, you know, doing all that, then like, I don't think you're going to see the blessing of God in your marriage. Yeah. Reflecting on what you've heard, consider sending us your questions. When you email podcast at newcity.church, your feedback could shape one of our future episodes. It's a simple way to keep the podcast relational and relevant for you. way like money talks and if your money talks in the sense of like if you're not obedient with your money you probably won't be obedient to the conviction of the holy spirit or the leading of the holy spirit and that's just something like and then you're multiplying that by bringing another person into that or if you're not generous with your if you're not generous with your money you're probably not generous in your time you're probably not generous in love you're probably not generous in those other areas like yeah. it's gonna it's gonna reveal things and i think part of the reason money makes it so clear is like we work hard to get our money or we work to get our money and so there's a level of effort that's engaged in that and how we use that money is an i think it, it reveals an outpouring of our heart yeah. because when we yeah. work hard to get that money and how we use it, it's like, okay, this is where, you know, one is the word, the Bible says, you know, the words are, um, out of the abundance she, of the heart. The yeah. Mouth speaks. Mouth speaks. I, I would say this, like the way we live our lives, a lot of that is represented through our money. So, um, what speaks reveals or what you speak can reveal what's in your heart and the way that you spend, spend your money yeah. reveals what's in, in your heart as well. Isn't so. it the worst when you're like, man, why are we so thin at the end of the month? And you look at your register and you're like, Oh, oh Starbucks. Yeah. 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 You see the things that draw. Okay. If you're going to blow your budget, what's most likely going coffee to be problem? Coffee, not Starbucks though. I would say food in general for us. Like yeah, it's either either just, groceries like, oh man, come on, another bag yeah. of chips would be great to have in the pantry. Or ice cream's not bad. Let's get some ice cream. They got a yeah. salad ice cream. Why not ice cream? Yeah, I think probably food. Eating out, yeah. coffee. Eating out. Yeah. 
yeah, like the principle of where your treasure is, there your heart is. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's really what money reveals is like you can see where people's treasure is at mm-hmm. by the things they have sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that's to say we should be judgmental of people's possessions because there's many times where we've received gifts and people have been generous with us. But it is to say that like there's patterns that can make it obvious yeah. of where your heart is at. Yeah. Yeah, that is important. I, let's 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 camp there for just a minute because I do think, without a doubt, when you see a long term pattern, and this person is known for like always having a new car every couple of years, or always like the latest threads, or they're always whatever. I think we can learn something from that, mm-hmm. and and the more you get to know that person, maybe you'll learn. Okay, there's more to it than just what's on the surface. There is other signs that show maybe they're insecure or they're compensating or they are, they're, they're whatever they're shallow, they're superficial. But I would say we all probably value certain things that other people may not understand. You know, I, I'm, I would say we're more experienced people than we are things people. And if we're going to spend money, I would rather spend it on an experience, a vacation, uh, an adventure of some kind rather than, a brand new sound system or ski, new, new skis for the whole family mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And so I think there's times when I, I might be looking in somebody's garage and I'm like, sheesh, how much did they spend on camping gear or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I learn, you know, like I know, judgy, I, know judgy. I know Aaron's really outdoorsy. Right. <laughs> and, and I know if, if we compared how much we spend on outdoor clothing, I would probably, I'd probably be so judging. <laughs> I wouldn't think, what, what are you talking about? I've literally spent $30 collectively in the last three years on my coats. Like, I just don't. I do not. They're either given to me or I thrift them or I got a $30 jacket, shacket at, at uh, uh, Costco. Uh, Costco. Yeah. I just nice. don't think that way whatsoever. Now, I could, if I don't know you well, I could judge the daylights out of your choices. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know me well, you could be like, holy smoke, like, look at that house. Like, why in the world would you spend that much remodeling your home? If you don't know my journey, Mm -hmm. right? right? If you don't know the four homes that we remodeled before this, if you don't know, you know, even- Or what your house was before it was The work we put into, all those sorts of things. We can get really judgy. Mm -hmm. So we we have to bring that into the conversation to realize, like, don't don't over-scrutinize. And yet there is a valid side of this other conversation of where your treasure is there, your heart will be awesome. Yeah, I think you can't yeah. see the external and draw truths and conclusions from it. I think it's just indications. Yeah. And honestly, like, okay, let's take your house, for example. I think your house is a great example of God's faithfulness and generosity, mm-hmm. but people could draw ridiculous truths from it that are completely inaccurate and make their own assumptions and conclusions. Um, Even like with the outdoors gear, like people can make conclusions about our lives that are not accurate when we find that stuff a lot of times on eBay or at secondhand gear shops or whatever. And so I agree with you, like there's different priorities people have and there's different ways that God has blessed them. And so using that as just an indication to be, um, I guess more investigative rather than yes. drawing conclusions. Yeah. 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 You can learn from the process, but I think that's the point. You have to be determined to learn. And I think if we're looking at ourselves and asking, okay, am I a good financial steward? I've got to be willing to learn uncomfortable truth, even about myself. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I recently heard um, of these couples that get together, like their small group and they actually talk about their finances very openly. Like mm. this is how they all know this is how much we make, but they are in really like they're very good friends. This is how much we make and this is what we're spending our money on. And they allow like each other to speak into each other's lives. And I'm like, that takes some vulnerability. Like that's a big yeah. deal. And I, I think that would be really smart to have a little bit more of that in our lives. Um, like I know I personally was convicted, but even like thinking of young adults in that, just allowing people to ask like, where are you spending your money? And not in a mean way, but yeah. I think it's helpful to have people ask. It's, questions. it's so hard. I think when, when I look at just young people today, young couples as they're starting out, you know, we were talking about how, you know, we thrifted all of our furniture or whatever. And I think there is a lot of pressure. Let's talk about the social media dynamic. Oh yeah. Social media, I think affects a lot of our psyche on how we spend, how we vacation, 
you know, how our wardrobe, our, our, uh, our entertainment, our phones, I think it what affects, we think we deserve. Yeah. Yeah. What we think we part. deserve, what, what we think we've been even, um, enduring, you know, we think we've been <laughs> saying no to ourselves and we're not even realizing, no, actually I've actually been saying yes to myself quite a bit, but I think there's a social media dynamic and I don't want to blame it all on social media because the heart has to be honest and vulnerable no matter yeah. what. But I do think there's a lot, uh, I think a lot of young people especially could fall prey because you, you haven't lived long enough necessarily to have a real accurate vantage point of, you know, how much you should expect to make at this point in life or how much you should expect to pay for these different things. But I think there's a lot of young couples that uh, we've seen that have gotten into really bad patterns and accrued debt because they're, they're comparing their lives with their parents yeah. or other yeah. other people who are like mentors and loved ones in the church that are 20 or 30 years older. Oh yeah. And they're seeing the homes they're living in and the furniture they're buying and the clothes that they're wearing and the vacations they're taking and they're thinking, "Oh, when I get married then I can have those things." And they're racking up credit card debt Oof. thinking that that's their that's their solution. Mm-hmm. That's their pathway to have that marriage that they respect and they want so much. When in, F- in actuality, they never saw the suffering years, the lean years, yeah. the scrappy, difficult, thrifting years that really led to later abundance. Yeah. It's interesting. Why, like, why, how is it that we can see that? Because I remember, um, I, like, I think when we first got married, the story that always, like, I was always reminded of is my parents, when they first got married, they literally, my mom had a little garden. She would, um, I was going to say raise, she would grow lettuce and they would have hot dogs on lettuce and lettuce would be the bun. Yes. And that was their meal. And so I think I walked into marriage assuming that that's how it would be. Um, and I think it's interesting cause I, I think a lot of people don't, for whatever reason, don't catch that. And maybe that is a social media thing is that you're surrounded by, on social media, you're surrounded by millionaires. Like you can see people that are millionaires that have anything and everything they could ever want. Or people are just painting a really pretty picture. Yeah. Really, they can't afford stuff and they're in debt. Living that way anyways. That's why we endorse Be Real on this podcast. (laughs) This podcast, Brad. Be Real, if you want to sponsor us, we would love that. Oh. Yeah, sure. I mean, there is, right? That is the thing with social media, right? That's the, that's what everybody assumes. Hopefully Mm -hmm. we all assume it's happening. You're posturing your life. You're curating your, your photos. You're, you're, you're. You're showing what you want to show. You're celebrating what you want to celebrate, even if it's not authentic, even if it's not accurate. Right. So yeah. you can get caught up in this comparison trap thinking, oh my goodness, they just did that vacation and why can't we? Yeah. Oh my gosh, they just bought, look, yeah. look how beautiful that. Well, I right. mean, I think about, we, we bought our house a couple of years ago and, um, and it was a fixer upper. Yeah. Like I remember driving past it. I asked a realtor, is it nicer on the inside? And he was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like yeah. the outside looks real rough. And I remember just that being like awesome. kind of devastated by like the state of the house. Yeah, and I was you'd like, worked on your last house and yeah. And I cute. thought, yeah. okay, maybe we can buy something that's way more cosmetic. And it was like, no, it's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Anyways, at the same time that this is happening, our friends who have different jobs, are working on designing their like amazing house and I am like just so disappointed in where we're at in life because I'm like they're designing this beautiful house and I just bought the worst house on this block and it is like shabby and I'm like how will we ever make it and I remember lamenting to my dad who's involved in real estate. I'm like, it's not my dream home. And my dad was like, who is getting their dream home in their thirties? And I was like, I know people that are. And he was like, no, he's like, they're not because your dream home changes and dreams change. And he was like, you don't have to settle right now. Like this is the best next step for you. And I think if I had just gotten stuck on that, it would have just wrecked me. But in that moment, he kind of brought me back to reality of like, this is where God has you stop looking at the other people and like, look at what God's providing for you in the moment. And this is an amazing deal. Like you need to take it. Well, I think there are people who maybe they had different advantages because their parents, you know, manage their money well, or they invested well. Or they they went to a different career field. So by the time they're 30, they can afford that. I I know a couple in our church is very generous with what they have, and they both have very lucrative career fields, 
but they struggled for years because they had massive college debt that they had to pay off, but they really forced themselves. They kept to a very strict budget because they had a focus. We want to be a blessing because we will be paid for paid well for a very long time. We want to have the latitude to be able to generously bless people in the future. So we're going to struggle now on yeah. purpose, intentionally doing the right thing to eliminate debt. And now they are they're doing exactly that. Yeah. But it would have been easy for people to look at their life through a certain lens and think, oh, it must be so easy. They were actually forcing themselves to struggle so mm-hmm. they could be a blessing later. Yeah, that's cool. They built yeah. my faith. Yeah, totally. That's yeah. a good example of yeah. stewardship. Yeah, that's having a good the long game. Of stewardship. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, I think I wanted to go back through those five things and maybe talk about specific examples of how we can do that. Because I, yeah. I think budgeting is, uh, for a great example, like Megan and I came out of very different lifestyles. My dad is a budget master. Like that is, he lives and dies by the budget. And that's very he, rigid. He trained us in that early. Like we, I remember getting. I wonder if he wants me to draw some pictures on envelopes. <laughs> yes, he would love it. Uh, yeah, maybe. Aaron, uh, can you talk about that? Like, how did he train you? Uh, yeah. Do. So like when we first got paychecks, when we first started working, I think my first jo- official job, I had a lawn mowing, lawn mowing job in, in seventh grade and he didn't, he was busy. It was a different season of life at that time. And then he got a different job. And, uh, my first job was freshman year and he got, I got a paycheck and he was like, all right, let's sit down. And we talked through like, here's this and this and this, and the things that you've got to think that you've got to cover and pay for and those things. And he helped, uh, basically just sat down and wrote that out. Mm-hmm. And I did an uh, awful job of following that actually which is I, great at that age yeah that's great You'll i don't think i had a i don't think i actually started saving money until i got saved like i don't mm-hmm. i pretty much lived paycheck to paycheck until i was saved yeah. um which you got saved when you're 21 i got saved when i was 21 and that's when i first started putting money away and stuff like that but megan came out of like i remember very specific story <laughs> of like we talked about tithes and offerings and i was like hey so you know how do you feel about it? and she's like well i have this jar and i just put 10 percent of my oh tips my gosh, every, yes. every time i get you know and i was like oh, I you don't have a practice like my family wow. was are really great at um they're financially great and they've been great stewards of their money they just like my dad i don't know how he i mean maybe he tracked it whatever his budget was it was definitely in his head in his own mm. way kind of did it by feel yeah and he was like never in a bad spot that i know of where it was like oh shoot like i've withdrawn all my money but so i always learned like okay be frugal don't let your bank account like he was always like don't let it get b- below a thousand so i was always like diligent to not let it get below a thousand Mm-hmm. Um, especially in high school and college, like I always knew like, wow, well, I have a thousand dollars in there. Like, but I never tracked my finances and I never kept track of my tithe. And I would, I mean, like I would just put my, in the jar and then when I would remember to put it in like yeah. in the offering plate, that's what it was. Yeah. But I wasn't like diligently doing it each month. I was still doing the practice. I just wasn't giving it to the church, but I literally had three jars in my room and one was like my tithe and one was like savings and one was spending and Aaron That's awesome. was absolutely <laughs> destroyed by my like lack of knowledge of my budget. That's they, literally they exactly say. what I did. Literally. I Except I had two jars. I had one that was tithe and then one that was mine. But the one that was mine would get filled up and I'd be like, well, what am I going to spend it on? Obviously, the church knows what to do with it. So I'd go <laughs> take that one to the church. Like, I just, I did not... Spend money. They do say the best budget is the one you follow. Yeah. True. So one you use. Right, exactly. And I think that's a great example of stewardship. In my mind, stewardship can be a lot of different things, but I think because people, you know, some people would say, well, if you're not putting 10% of your saving or 10% of what you earn in the savings every single month, then you're failing. Some people would say if you're not, if you don't have six months of your your income no not income your expenses saved then you're failing and all sorts of different things i think stewardship is really this is like you actually showing that you have a plan yeah like intentionality you can manage yes and And do that and then seeking out wisdom and how to do that and i mean we were just uh, hanging out with some young adult girls and i was like we were talking to him i was talking to him about savings i'm like well your money is in a high interest savings account and they're like well no and i'm like what 
why wouldn't you do that? Like, why would you not get paid? So I think in my mind, like they were being, one of them is a phenomenal steward. I, she was explaining where she's at financially. I was like, holy cow, like you're in some ways way better than we are. Nice. And just like through advice, now she's got all of this savings that she's put away in a high interest savings account. She's getting paid hundreds of dollars, you know, more a year because she's gotten a high interest savings account. So I think because people will judge this and start to feel guilty and they're like, sure. oh man, I had Popeye's chicken the other day. And it's like... Yeah, like Megan and I, we, we we break our budgets every once in a while, but we have a plan that we are yeah. constantly rearranging and fitting into the season and asking God, hey, what does it look like in this season? And there's been seasons where Pastor Nate or the church has asked us to give more, and we've prayed about it, and we've given more, and there's mm-hmm. been times, and we just, you know, we want to be stewards of what we have, that it's, or well, let me put it this way, we want to be stewards of what God's given and entrusted in us regularly, and you cannot do that without a plan. Right. Yeah. So start making a plan if you need help with that we have people that would love to talk to you i think in marriage one thing that happens is you have to communicate about finances so it would be a very wise practice to start that as a single person with a trusted individual because if you're learning how to communicate yeah this is why i spent this money here or oh man i I should have done this but i spent it here Um, if you're learning to communicate that to a mentor or a friend that's trusted um, they're going to be able to continue to help you and then when you get into marriage it's a very regular Conversation and you have yeah. the language and vocabulary to continue that with your spouse. Yeah, yes. that's good. I think that's really smart. I look at those five points and I think I was so, um, re- I was very good in obedience, generosity, contentment, and faith. Like, uh, literally, I would have given every bit of my paycheck to the church or to helping others. Like, I genuinely, be, like, before we got married, I genuinely, that was my heart. And it wasn't. I'm not like trying to be prideful. That's just who I was. But the stewardship, there was like no stewardship. I would definitely, had I not married Nate, I would have wound up probably on the street having given all my money away because I just did not, I didn't steward it well. So I think it's super smart, like what you're saying. Get help in doing all of these, like having all of these play out. It is interesting. I think there are times when people who are really naturally generous will struggle with the idea of stewardship because I mean, I had a guy flat tell me, he's like, I don't think stewardship is biblical. I think we're just supposed to pass it on. And what I've seen experientially is a, I don't think that's biblically, (laughs) but I, I do believe experientially what I've seen is how much more we're able to give away when we are good Mm -hmm. stewards. Oh yeah. We're managing well what Mm -hmm. God's given us. You're actually, I feel like when we, uh, every, I mean, when your family grows every now and then you, you got to redo your budget and yeah. redo your budget mm-hmm. and redo your budget. Every time we redo our budget and get faithful in that budget, it's like a, a fresh sense of, I feel like we're spending more money now than we did before. And what you're doing is you're actually spending more consistently in the proper arenas. Yeah. yeah. There's certain things that you, when you're not budgeting, you're not setting money aside for home repairs or those medical bills that might come or whatever else. But I I believe there's also something about the generosity piece. We budget out generosity and we set money aside beyond our tithe Mm -hmm. and, and giving toward the building, uh, our, our construction process. There's other things that we set aside so that we can posture ourselves intentionally to be generous. Yeah. Those are the funnest things dollars mm-hmm. to spend mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yeah. yeah when you've already, dollars. uh, when you are able to give what you've already planned in your heart to give. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I cheerfully giving it, I don't think I was ever very generous before I had a budget because I just, I didn't have the ability. I didn't track it. So I didn't know where it was going. So then there's that insecurity of like, well, I don't, cause I was frugal enough. I wasn't reckless, but it was like, I just don't remember thinking generously because I didn't have a great knowledge and a purview of where things were at financially to sure. even be able to engage in that. Yeah. yeah. I think stewarding toward generosity also gives you a bigger picture. It gives you a bigger vision. It helps you tap into like, oh, wait, instead of just like giving five bucks here or 10 bucks there, I could give hundreds or I could give yeah. thousands mm-hmm. towards something that I'm really passionate about. That's a blast. Mm-hmm. And you just never get there if you're, if you're not intentional. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's one of the things I love about just finances when it's done well and it's done right. It, you can 
it's one of the best ways I think that you can see the faithfulness of God in the supernatural way. Yeah. yeah. Because what we've been able to do over the years just does not. I'm a math guy. Like I come from a finance background. I understand what's, finance. What's a two times eight? Two sixteen. Good. Ooh, yeah. hey, uh, you are a math guy. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh, square root? No, of one hundred and forty-four. Twelve. Oh, I was like, is it seven? <laughs> Not a math girl. <laughs> but uh, I was just talking with somebody and we don't need to get into details, but what we've given over the last three years just does like it does. I'm not going to get into that, but it does not make sense. Like right. we, I understand numbers enough to know, like we should not be in the position we are, yeah. but we end every year with more in our savings and giving more to the church than, and, uh, our missionary, our mission, and those things—we've given more than that than we ever have, yeah. and somehow we're ending the year with more savings. We're better positioned. We don't feel like we're being stretched. Mm. Sometimes we do. Sometimes that call does call to be stretched. Oh yeah. But when you do it right, mm-hmm. man, God shows up. And, he's and we're not like living in this martyr lifestyle. We're not like, oh gosh, no. I'm eating ramen. And we were just on a cruise. <laughs> Life for is five so days hard. And like steak and fish. But God has blessed us, and we get like Lucky. we. Get, Find really good deals or something comes up or someone pays for an airline ticket. So I feel like even just honoring God has given us the opportunity to see him work in ways that like I would never be able to make things happen on my own. And if I was out there trying to bless myself, it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There were times, I mean, to go back to the discussion of our house, um, we had... Uh, we had money come in like as um, inheritance money that we didn't expect. We well, hang on. Can from... I just share a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Um, so we had... For those who may not know. Yeah. So we bought a house, a fixer-upper, and really genuinely felt like God had said that this was the house for us. Like we really felt like this was the next step for us. But it was a definite downgrade from where mm-hmm. we had been living. And so our kids weren't super duper excited um, anyway, so we got it to a point where it was livable where it's at. And then, um, uh, we had remodeled that and then basically put on hold and saved money and we did finalize the design for the next phase. Yeah. Adding on. Yeah. So we, we were expanding the house, making it bigger and we realized, uh, honestly, we just didn't have enough money. We were kind of at a state where, yeah, the market turned COVID hit like Material costs went up. It was crazy. We just didn't have enough money to complete it. And it was interesting. I remember like just talking to God about it and being like, I, I thought this was your will. Like I thought that you wanted us to do this. I don't feel right about getting a huge loan out to make this happen. I don't feel right about like putting our family into huge amounts of debt to make this happen. And, um, I felt like he just said, well, this is my problem, not yours. So I was like, well, okay, then I'll start talking <laughs> about it. I'll start talking to you about it. And so literally for, I don't know how many months, I just, every time I thought about it, I just would talk to God and out loud in front of our family, I'd just say, God, this house is yours. It's going to be a blessing for you. It's going to be to serve your kingdom. And this, the financial problem that we're in is your, is your problem. So can you just fix it? Provide for us in ways that we don't see. And literally, I mean, within a week, stuff started changing and there were ways that I had to believe that it was God doing that and not just like circumstance. But like, for instance, our neighbor came over and was like, Hey, I'm going to put a fence up. And um, paid for it all. Like just all these different things financially that God came through. And in the end we had so much more money to put into the house. Do you want me to say? Uh, well, you can, if you want, I don't know. It but. Was, okay. I, we've actually never shared this before, but it, it was, it was cool. It was, it was unbelievably undeniably God. Yeah. But from at one point when we were thinking, Hey, let's just cut our losses, sell the house, walk away. I think we had $12,000 in savings Within a year, we had 10 times that in savings. Wow. We had over $120,000. Yeah. And yeah. I'm telling you, from a huge range of yeah. unexpected sources. And that's not even we to were, mention little things like someone gave us half a cow and like just little blessings. And someone gave us a freezer to take care of the cow, like without even knowing each other. Like there were just, it's, it was undeniably the Lord. Right. And it happened in, in so many different ways that we couldn't explain. We couldn't, we couldn't. Yeah, it was just God. 
And we both walked away convinced, all right, God's telling us to move forward in this. There is something about, and this comes back to that faith principle. Yeah. We're his. Yeah. It's not just that every, all the money's his, so you better do what he says with it. But I care for you. Mm -hmm. You know, if I care for the sparrows and the flowers, why would I not care for you? I think there's a lot of people that will live wrongly under this condemnation of, oh, I have to give to God first. Like, no, like he's our hope. He's our life. He's our sustenance. Yeah, it's a joy. And, And if I can just get excited about how much more could God do through my life if I manage well the money that he gives me. It's just money. It's just yeah. stupid money. It's not like yeah. God needs money, but we need money. Mm-hmm. And so if I just manage well what he's given me, here's what you see over and over and over. He's He's going to provide. And, and there's times when it's not dollars in your bank account, but your shoes aren't wearing out. Like you, mm-hmm. you, there's, there's somebody invites you to lunch and you don't have to pay. And there's different blessings that come through. I'm convinced we've seen that hundreds yeah. and hundreds of times yeah. in the course of our life. And we've not done this perfectly, but when we do this well, here's what it looks at like. It looks like faith getting, I am his. Mm-hmm. It looks like obedience. I'm going to give to him first. I, it looks like stewardship. I'm going to manage what he's given me. Yeah. It looks like contentment. I'm going to say no to myself because I realize I'm already blessed. I don't have to go buy a blessing or strategize a blessing right. or cheat for a blessing. I am blessed. And then I get to be generous. I get to pour out. Yeah. You want to marry somebody who gets those things. Yeah. yeah they yeah, want definitely. to marry somebody who gets those things. Mm-hmm. So like begin, like we, we got to make this quick, but what's some input we can give? If somebody's listening and they're like, I, don't, I just don't do this well. I don't, you know, it's like I'm always upgrading my phone and wasting my money. My, my, the red is growing in my bank account or in my, uh, my credit card statement. Like, what do you tell somebody who sucks in this arena? Get honest, get open, get a, and set up a budget with somebody that can help you. Yeah. Amen. Set up a budget and stick to it, by golly. Yeah. You, you need a budget. A shameless plug. YNAB is wow. probably one of the best budgeting apps I've ever seen. And we've used it for three or four years now. We love nice. it. Nice. Yeah. Well, way longer than that. But okay. it's the best. So true. What else? What can we tell somebody who's struggling in this arena? They want to grow. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know, Aaron summed it up really good. Like, you got to yeah. find people to talk to and you got to be vulnerable because you'll find out where your treasure is once you <laughs> show someone your bank statement. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my treasure is all in Taco Bell. Yeah. Um, so I think get honest and get open and find it, people that can hold you accountable. It brings new depth to that scripture that says their God is their stomach. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yes. I, I think the biggest thing you got to do before... Anything else, and probably several times along the way, repent. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> You've got to remember, yeah. like this is God wants to give you true riches. Yeah, He wants to give you more. He wants to g- show you yeah. that you're His and that He provides. He wants to show you that He's faithful and He's able to bless you, to lead you, to to multiply. He's able to do that. He wants to do that. But this is so important to to recognize and admit freely. The idolatry, just that self-idolatry that says, you know what, God, I've been serving me more than you. I've been prioritizing me more than you. Uh, that That's a hard revelation, but it's a necessary one. And ask him for it. If you're like, I'm listening to this, I think I should care, but I just don't, man, uh, maybe your bank account isn't slim enough or you haven't seen the destruction enough. You, you will, if you haven't yet, before before the destruction hits, go to your father and say, God, help me see this. Yeah. I need conviction on this. I want to see this through your lens. I do not want money on the throne of my life. Yeah. I want you. Yeah. Yep. As I think that, I mean, a motivator for me, and I think you have to find your own motivation, but a motiva- a motivator for me is just the idea of being able to be more generous. Like I do... I would like to make money so that I can be generous. And I think I would like to not buy those brand new shoes so that I can be generous. Like I, that genuinely motivates me. So I think you have to figure out what does motivate you in the financial world. You absolutely have to have a bigger vision, right? You have to have it because otherwise you're going to see your friends taking vacations and buying clothes and upgrading their phones and eating out and 
unless you have a bigger reason to say the right no and the right yes, Mm -hmm. you're going to buckle because this is an uncommon conviction. This is a very uncommon conviction, but you'll never regret it once you get it. So pray for it. Aaron, I think you do this really well. Will you pray for our listeners? Absolutely. God, we thank you for everyone that is tuned in today. Lord, we pray as they hear these words, Jesus, that they would not only be challenged, but God, they would be reminded of your faithfulness, your goodness, and your blessing that you have. And Lord, we would be reminded at the very, very simplest form, Jesus, that we are yours and we get to be yours. And Lord, as you encourage people, as you equip people to do this well in different ways, God, I pray that they would just really see how this affects not just them, but those around them, the community that are in. And Lord, those that they're eventually going to call uh, their husband or wife, Jesus, and how that can bless and encourage them as they work together together in this, Jesus. We love you. We're excited to be able to see lives change through your word. Yes, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.